On today's I Didn't Say That, we discuss the, I guess the upcoming impeachment, whatever they're putting on television. <laughs> non Nonsense hour, filler, cable news filler. Um, we get into uh, update for that. We give a little 2020 update. Incredible amount has changed in the past, uh, past couple of days. And... Um, we touch on a little bit of uh, just just regular just leftist insanity that's going on. Plus, a preview of the twenty twenty four presidential race, which I'm pretty pretty excited for at this point. So, uh, without further ado, let's go. Uh, welcome to. I didn't say that. It's uh, Wednesday, November thirteenth. When you're listening to this, most likely, unless you're up late on the West Coast, in which it's still Tuesday night, but it's uh, the day before the first televised hearings for uh, the uh, impeachment, not trial, but in just, I don't know, I guess the, de- dem- the Democrat Party complaint hour is going to be uh, is going to be on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Is it the Democrat debate tomorrow, too, or is that next week? No, that's next. That's next Wednesday. Mm. next Wednesday we're gonna we're gonna get into we're gonna get into the democratic debate next week in this in this field because it's really everything that we've been saying is just really turning out to be true um but the first thing I wanted to do tonight is just to touch on something that happened when we were recording last week and last Tuesday, when we recorded, it was elections in Virginia and Kentucky and a couple other places, but really just focused on Kentucky and Virginia. And then the next day, um, the media is celebrating that Matt Bevin, the Republican governor of Kentucky, lost. This is a loss for Trump. This is a loss for People who voted for Trump, this is a loss for anyone who's ever said the name Trump. (laughs) This is a disaster. And Virginia, um, with their um, pro-blackface governor and pro-sexual assault uh, lieutenant governor, um, both Democrats, obviously. Obviously. um, The Virginia House of Delegates is now in Democrat control for the first time in 24 years, 26 years, something Mm. like that. Uh, Kentucky was blown out of proportion. As we all know, Republicans actually picked up seats statewide. They won 13 out of 14 statewide races. The only loss was Bevin, and that's because apparently he's a jerk that no one likes. Yeah, he's a bad candidate. There we go, bad candidate. Shockingly, people vote for the candidate that's on the ballot and not for a candidate that's not on the ballot. Um, And... And so the media obviously wants to extrapolate. Um, there was a, a, a good article written, uh, Cook Political Report, Amy Walter used to work for ABC, now, now is at the Cook Political Report, um, talks about, uh, wrote an article, it's 2016 all over again. Yeah, Democrats are winning nationally. Um, they're winning popular votes in places. Um so did Hillary. Let's not forget Hillary won. <laughs> she points out Hillary won the popular vote. Let's not forget that. Like Democrats can run up the score in a lot of places. Um, 
But when you start to look, when you start to break down state by state, and especially the battlegrounds where the presidency is, presidency is going to get decided, Trump is extraordinarily competitive, if not winning. <laughs> <laughs> and the bottom line is that these Democrats, the, the Democratic candidates don't really excite anyone. Um, Hillary had history to lean on, but the fact remains is that there's no one really in the Democrat field who is both exciting and has like an extra storyline. You know, Kamala Harris could say black, you know, woman of color running. Um, but, uh, even, but no one likes her. (laughs) No, no one, no one likes her. She's a terrible candidate. Um, demographics are changing. Republicans have to, Republicans have had to realize that. Um, but they're not, changing as rapidly as democrats want them to (laughs) and so when you look at the 2016 election breakdown yes when you look at white college voters 80 81 percent of white college educated voters vote Mm -hmm. but the difference in the 2016 election was that white non-college educated voters broke so heavily for trump that it pretty much drowned out any of the um, minority vote in this country, uh, for one. It's also interesting to note that only around 58% of white, non-college, educated voters, uh, people vote in the country. So there's a huge gap for the Trump campaign to make up. Or, as Amy says, that's a chance for Democrats to pick up Right, if they go back to trying to message to those people, but anyone who's been following the Democrat uh, campaign knows that the last group of people that they are concerned about are um, white blue collar workers. <laughs> they they are the bottom of the totem pole. Um, so, de- but Democrats know this. Um, they know their candidates aren't exciting. They know their candidates aren't likely to win. They know that. Um, most working people in this country are looking at the Democrat field and going, you want to take things away from me. You want to have the government have more control over my life. That's not what I want to have. I may not like a lot of things about Trump, but Trump's not going to really take me out like that. Um, which gets back to why they're, they're the, immigra- the, the immigration immigration used to be their sole focus in order to change how how uh, how they're able to win elections but but this one is impeachment the democrats know the only way to beat trump is to remove him from office and is this overwhelming thought that i've had for a couple of weeks that you know always kicks up i i read a lot of news articles through this lens of why a $250 million payment that was made to Ukraine is so important and why it's so important that Trump said, hey, to get this money, I want you to do something, but I'm never actually going to really hold you to it. So like whatever, which is how this all went down. And Throughout the course of the week when I'm reading and prepping for the show and whatnot, um, 
I'm always saving articles or always jotting down notes, but there were there were three things that really stuck out to me this week that I thought do that I know do a great job of capturing how the modern left has designed itself to go after anyone who they disagree with at any time. One thing you want to keep in mind during what I'm about to say is that liberals have a very long-term view of goals and what they need to accomplish. The left will work for decades and decades and decades and decades towards a goal. Um, It's ironic because a lot of people look at the modern conservative movement and think about the first, you know, the mission statement that William F. Buckley wrote and the famous line, you know, we are standing athwart history saying stop. As in, conservatives look at something and go, if it's not broken, we're not going to fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Whereas liberals want to change things just for the sake of changing things. They want quote-unquote progress just for the sake of quote-unquote progress. Um, But they are willing to work for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades to get what they want. And so I want to talk about how the left is framing impeachment and they're not framing impeachment as they're not framing impeachment as something that Donald Trump has committed a heinous criminal act or Donald Trump has done something so detrimental to the country that he needs to go the Democrats are framing impeachment as we disagree with how Donald Trump is conducting foreign policy What he said to Ukraine seems fishy, but we don't know. But this is enough to go on. And if he doesn't open up his records to everything, we're just going to get him on obstruction. The more interesting thing that they're doing is how they're recruiting people to this cause. This, we disagree, you need to go cause. This, if you say something we don't like, we're shutting down your first speech, your First Amendment rights cause. And what they're doing over and over again on cable news and through the media is going to pointing out people like Bill Taylor, who's testifying on Wednesday, or Colonel Vindman, or uh, Jovanovich, who's going on Friday. Um, what they're saying is these are dedicated public servants. These are people who have sacrificed to be in the public arena to do what's right for their country above all else. This is going to be repeated time and time again. It is not possible for Bill Taylor to lie because he is a public servant and public servants cannot lie. 
There has never been someone in the public arena who's lied to further their own political goals or to further their own personal agenda. These are public servants. We must agree with everything that they say because they are infallible. Bill Taylor is infallible. Colonel Vinman is infallible. And so that's what you're going to hear. That's what we have been hearing over the past couple of weeks. And that's what we're going to continue to hear is this call to a higher calling. Come with us. We're the cool kids. We are the true defenders of democracy. We are the true defenders of this republic. It's okay if you voted for Trump, but you, you, you have to stop now. You come along with us. You will be celebrated as a hero. If you, if you turn on the president, you will be a hero. If you make up a claim against him in order to further impeachment, you will be a hero. And you will be rewarded with a book deal for a book no one's going to read. You will be rewarded with a contract to be on MSNBC or CNN. And every time we go on, we will talk about how much of a hero you are, how you are the example of everything that is right in this country. That is their pitch inside the Beltway to people in the government. If you think you maybe, some, maybe possibly heard something, we will report it as fact, no investigation necessary, and we will protect you. You will be treated as a hero. You will become famous. And it's this lie about the professionalism of these public servants that was exposed this week when Adam Schiff unequivocally said, unequivocally said no, this whistleblower will not be testifying. We're not going to let him up there because it because the the whistleblower quote unquote whistleblower testifying blows this narrative right out of the water that every public servant is this infallible apolitical person who only cares about the well-being of this country. The fact of the matter is is that the quote unquote whistleblower Eric Charmella never heard the call. Coordinated with Colonel Vinman to get I to get information about the call, went to Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff had his aides work with Charmella to write up the complaint, and then the complaint went out. That's how this process worked. And if Charmella takes the stand, or there's any investigation into his contacts around this entire situation, this whole lie gets exposed. That there's somehow some higher power. That these that these public servants, that the people involved in investigate in then impeachment, Bill Taylor, Vinman, Charmella, these are people who you cannot attack because of just how good they are. There is no political motive here whatsoever. That's the lie. And it's important. Because one of the things the left does the best is prey on our weaknesses. And with this whistleblower and what they're doing inside the Beltway 
And what they're doing to everyday Americans is to prey on a weakness that a lot of us have, which is the wish that we are famous, the wish that we are important, the wish that we are more than just people who go about our daily lives. We wake up, we go to work, we come home, we go to bed, we repeat. We want to believe we are more than that. And the media is offering everyday people and quote unquote people, you know, public servants, a way to be famous, a way to be infamous, a way to find meaning in your life. We'll think you're cool. We'll think you're special. We will treat you with kid gloves. We will glorify you. We will adore you until the end of time. Just say what we want to hear. And this brings us to the second thing that stuck with me this week. And it was a little blurb, a little small little post in the Powerline blog, John Hinderaker, who talked about the downfall of public education and just how he remembers growing up and going to school and kids were, there were standards. There were academic standards. Two plus two equals four. It wasn't up to interpretation. You either passed or you failed. It's not up for interpretation. And that how public education and the collapse of educational standards in public education has left us with a populace so stupid that we are running afoul of Benjamin Franklin's famous response to someone who asked, hey, what kind of government are you guys forming? And he goes, a republic if you can keep it. And this blurb stuck with me, and it ties into the first point because I, it's true that standards in education have fallen. It's true that educational attainment for children in the United States is falling behind or is, or is you know, uh, uh, we don't test as well as other developed countries, despite spending twice as much per pupil as any other country in the world. Um, and that this lack of basic knowledge is hurting our republic. Now, while this was a paragraph-long blog post, Hinderaker does miss, I think, the most important thing, and it's something that us conservatives, we miss a lot, because we focus on something like public education and go, that system sucks. What we're doing right now is awful. It's bad. It's not educating anyone. What we always forget is that the point of the public education system is not to be where our children learn everything. That's what the family is for. The mother and the father are meant to raise their child. And part of raising your child is to make sure that they are properly educated on how to behave at home, on how to behave outside of the home, on how to interact with people, manners, basic civics, 
Dad goes to work. Mom goes to work. Dad votes. Mom votes. The idea that the family unit is where children are supposed to learn their values and get their education from is maybe the most offensive idea that we have to the left. Because it's white privilege to have a family? No. Because what happens is that you might end up with people who are true individuals who don't go along with the liberal groupthink that is taught day in and day out at public schools. What the left wants to do, and I want to say there is no, there's, this is not correlation here. There is a causation here between the downfall of the family unit, the number, the higher, the rising percentage of kids who grow up in single family households, the rising percentage of kids who are born to mothers out of wedlock. And the amount of money we spend on public education in this country and the amount that we expect from the public education system. The left has groomed us as a society for the past 50, 60 years that the public education system will raise your kids, will educate your kids, and will, take care, and will feed your kids and take care of your kids until they are 22 years old. That is what the left wants. The left does not want intact families. Because when you are a member of a family and you have a strong family unit and you have parents that care about their children and care about raising their children, is that they will point out behaviors to their children and ideas to their children that they find unacceptable. What works for one family does not necessarily work for another family. Why do we go to church in this family? Because that's what we do. Well, my friend doesn't go to church. Well, tough. In this house, you do. And as, until you're paying rent or until you own this house, you don't have a say in the matter. I've heard that a lot. And it's true. Why can't my friend Billy gets to eat ice cream for dinner? Why can't I have ice cream for dinner? Because your friend Billy is nine years old and is already a type 2 diabetic. <laughs> That's why you don't get to eat ice cream. The idea that things are not uniform across every family is abhorrent to the left because what the left preys on, to bring this back to point one, is groupthink. The left knows it controls the news apparatus. The left knows it controls the popular media apparatus in this country. The left controls the education apparatus in this country. And what the left wants you to do is to wake up, you consume your left-wing me news media, you go to school, you get your left-wing school, you go home, you get your left-wing homework, and at night you get to watch your left-wing media where they get taught things about all sorts of different sexual proclivities. Nothing wholesome. 
nothing educational. It's square to be someone who's in a monogamous relationship, who works hard, who's an outstanding member of their community, who goes to church, who treats others with respect, who pays his taxes, and who doesn't think that a six-year-old should be able to decide if they can chemically castrate themselves or not. The left requires groupthink in order to act on what we first told you. Be with the cool kids. Come. Be with the group. Katie mentions this all the time. Public polling is not meant to inform you about what people think. It is meant to influence what you think. You don't turn on the news anymore to learn what happened in the world. The news now tells you what to think about something that possibly happened in the world. No longer are we allowed to have entertainment that's just for the sake of entertainment. It has to have some sort of social message. We have to be told that X group can do the same things that Y group can do no matter what. That there are no biological differences. That there are no differences between groups of people anywhere on the planet. That everyone is equal. Unless you're a Trump supporter. And this is what brings me to the third story. And this is the removal of Instagram likes. <laughs> this has been one of the biggest stories for millennials because everyone is freaking out. I'm Instagram is testing out that there will no longer be publicly available the number of likes you get for a post. I post a picture of my dog. Five people like it. You will no longer see when you go on Instagram that five people liked a picture of my dog. You're just going to see a picture of my dog. But they're keeping comments, right? They're keeping comments, and you still get to keep the light. You get to see how many likes a post gets. This will do nothing to what people are actually worried about, which is their revenue stream. People get paid to post thing to post names of products and oh I love this product follow at whatever product which by the way we we can get into this as well but everyone's freaking out because to go back to the first two points everyone needs to be in the group everyone needs to think the same way I derive my value in society by the number of likes I get on my social media post. This is how people compete with one another. More people liked where I went on vacation than you. More people liked my dress than they liked your dress. More people like my dog more than they like your dog. This is the keeping up with the Joneses of the 21st century. And I want to share a quick little story from high school. Uh, I was what you would call politically active, believe it or not. And from time to time, I would write op-eds at our school newspaper. 
And this was around the time, a little bit before the 2004 election. And I wrote an op-ed stating why George W. Bush deserves a second term. He had done well with the war on terror up to this point. Um, the Iraq war at this point was going well. It looked like it was going to be a very short engagement over. Everything was, was looking pretty good. The economy was, was back on track, and we were talking about maybe actually doing Social Security reform. Um, I didn't pull any punches. And um, anyways, my parents read through it, and uh, the reaction was poor. Really poor. Uh, I was yelled at. And... Uh, this before it was published or after? This is before. And uh, the line that stuck with me was uh, one of my parents yelling at me and wondering how they are supposed to act if someone comes up to them during a soccer game and ask them whether their son really believes this. Uh, I didn't know how to respond to that question because I was like, well, it's, it's what I believe. I don't see what the big deal is. Now, did your parents, were they in favor of Bush? Were they going to vote for him again? Yeah. Why wouldn't they just say, and I agree with him, I'm voting for him too? Well, this is my point. My point is, is that as I know my mom would have <laughs> as a society. Not everyone has it in them to look at someone in the face and go, I don't care what your opinion is. And I've always had that. I just do. I just there are very few people in this world who their opinion of me matters. It certainly does not matter to me what some random person on the sideline at a soccer game would possibly say to me or my parents. What are they going to do? I'm voting for John Kerry. Oh. <laughs> oh, no way. In liberal in liberal New England, you're voting for John Kerry? No way. So anyways, I, I mean... Basically, it was if you said, you know, what am I supposed to what am I supposed to say? This is going to be a disaster. You know, I've got friends, too. What if my friends see this stuff? All that. My life is over if I sent it in. So naturally, I sent it in. I had very few friends in high school. I had nothing to lose. Don't make a bet with someone who has nothing. To, it's like I'm threatening your social life in high school. My social life was listening to talk radio in high school. I didn't have a social life. You can't threaten someone who has nothing to lose. So anyways, I was threatened. Op-ed goes in. Did they print it? Of course it was printed. Of course it was printed. And not only, not only that, a week later we saw Bush speak, and it was like word for word exactly what I wrote in the op-ed. They were like, oh, wow, like, you know, like, you're writing, like, you know, like. Wait, 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 did your parents go with you? Yeah. To the Bush rally? Yeah. So they're okay to go to the rally where people could see them. Yeah. But not okay with a piece of writing that no. was actually sound. No. It's very interesting. No. Well, that's the point. This is what the left preys on. The left preys on people who want to be part of the group.
See, I have and a- that's what social media is. But that this is what I'm getting at with social media, and that's what I'm getting out of the Instagram likes. Don't think that social media companies are saying, oh, we're doing this because this is good for people because people shouldn't derive their value from these platforms. Wrong. That's how they make their money. Literally, people deriving their value from these platforms. Um, and, you know, and that's not good for kids to, you know, like be engaging with all this likes and stuff. This is exactly what they want. Who runs social media companies? Liberals. Liberals. This is groupthink. This is so that they can change the algorithm of what shows up in your feed to be more of what they want. It's not going to be determined on likes. It's not going to be determined on what's popular. It's not going to be determined on your personal preferences. It's going to be determined solely on what they want you to see. And the whole point of this long rant is that this impeachment is the true first test of five decades of liberals working to control the education system in this country, the media in our country, and every facet of our lives. This is the test to see if that they can push lies down the throats of enough people that they can push public opinion enough to reverse the outcome of an election. over something that never happened. That's what we're dealing with here. This is this is the first ultimate test of how the left wants society structured. If we don't if we don't if we don't break you down at school if we don't break you down through the media news, if we don't break you down through entertainment, we're simply going to silence you. That is the goal. And we are seeing it play out these days. And I pray to God that they don't successfully remove Donald Trump from the presidency. Because if they do, it is proof that this system is done. They won't. And if they do, there will be a civil war. You think I'm joking? There won't be. Well, it's funny you bring up civil war because that's what the Atlantic is pitching today. Whole, whole issue about how we are so divided as a country. Like, are we on the brink of another civil war? The editor, Jeffrey Goldberg, made sure to say on Morning Joe today that there, no one actually believes that this is a similar situation to what we were experiencing before the civil war. If you read the articles in this, which I did, especially one from this Yoni Applebaum fella, which was... We need to set time aside later this week to go into that article. Um... Because that's just basically moderate Republicans, you can save us um, by becoming Democrats. That, you know, it's one of those lazy articles. But he exposes something that's very interesting um, that we really don't have the time to get into today. Um, but this is it. You know, it's civil war. And Joe Scarborough was pushing the same thing on Twitter that uh, he was equating Confederate members of the Confederate States of America to Trump supporters. And that. We're not, you know, we're going to welcome you with open arms back into the union. But you, you need to repent first. And that means you need to vote Democrat first. 
Um, but but let's go on to um, to uh, to funnier things. Um, if there know. if there really are yeah I, uh, yeah let's just let's just jump right into twenty twenty or Greta in San Francisco. That's a throw. That's thirty seconds. Okay. These activists in San Francisco use 700 aerosol spray cans of paint to put up a mural of Greta Thunberg. I don't think I need to say anything more than that other than these people are absolute complete morons who are obviously not environmental activists or else they wouldn't be using aerosol cans to paint a mural of a girl who has done nothing. Getting high school kids to skip school on Friday isn't activism. It's not. I just think it's really funny that they use aerosol cans. Also, the painting's really bad. Yeah, oh yeah, she looks like Putin. Yeah. Um, CNN held two town halls this week. Let's do 2020 update. CNN held two town halls uh, this, 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 over the past two days. They're basically unwatchable. Sunday night, 7 o'clock, was Tom Steyer. And Monday night, 9 p.m., was Joe Biden. But are they going to do all the candidates? They've been doing them throughout the past couple of months. I feel like this is pay to play, though, because all the other town halls, they did like five or six in a night and they did them back to back and everybody went. No, you're confusing the individual candidate town halls with the issue town halls. They'll do town halls around issues where they bring everyone in for one night. But they do have said, you know, any candidate will give you an hour. Remember Klobuchar, Mayor Pete did it on Fox earlier this year. They did it on CNN a little bit earlier this year, too. Um, Bennett's done one. Um, I think Yang did one. Uh, but Booker's done one. Castro's done one, I think. All that. But anyways, Tom Steyer gets booked Sunday Night Football. There you go. And then Biden, they release him out of the candidate protection program. <laughs> And he, they put his town hall. Now, this is Joe Biden. This is the quote-unquote front runner. He can get any time slot he wants during the week on CNN. If he's like, hey, let's do a town hall Wednesday at CNN, be like, we'll do a town hall Wednesday. Nope. His, his, his team, let's put Joe up against Monday Night Football. And not just we Monday don't Night- want anyone to see this. <laughs> and not just Monday Night Football, but two West Coast teams of big states that Biden needs to win. Yeah, California and Washington, not exactly conservative parts of the country, to say the least. I mean, these are, you're right, Katie, these are, these, this Democrat strongholds that Biden should be getting his message in front of. Um, that's a, they, they're, they're hiding him. They're hiding him. Um, Mayor Pete surging to the lead in Iowa. It's four, it's four horse, four horse race at this point. It's Biden, Warren, Sanders, Mayor Pete. That's Woof. it. Woof. That's it. That's what we got. We have a debate next week. Steyer's on the stage. Bloomberg's not getting in. Can, can we, we just can we just get rid of this? Can Bloomberg's not jumping in? Can we just can we just kind of just bat that story out of the way? Bloomberg's not getting in. Deval Patrick's not getting in. Deval Patrick, of all the people that could possibly get in and make less of a splash in this, I'm not sure if you could pick two people other than Michael Bloomberg and Deval Patrick who could possibly change the race less. You think that, you know, I look, I get that the Democratic electorate is extraordinarily racist <laughs> and has no interest in voting for a person of color. They're only interested in voting for old white millionaires. 
So Bloomberg probably thinks, yeah, I have a lane because I'm the whitest and the richest. Um, Deval Patrick, I mean, he's Cory Booker with even less personality. Yeah, I mean. And he works at, at Bain Capital. At this point, the media is just throwing in people because they hate all the candidates, which is also why they're focusing on impeachment, because they just want to pretend like there isn't a primary going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't I just don't get it. So we have a we have a debate next week. How many people? Ten, I think it's nine or ten. It's an hour, two hours, 20 hours. It's got to be at least two and a half hours. Is there a theme? No theme. No theme? No theme. Okay. No theme. Sadness. (laughs) Destruction of America. How are we going to get rid of the First Amendment? Um... Some guy's name I can't even remember dropped out of trying to run against Trump. Stopped before it even started. Mark Sanford? Yes. Which, like, that was a joke to begin with. Um... But I guess we should mention it. Yeah, that was... I don't understand the point of that. I didn't understand the point of that. Some never-Trumper who thought that there was enough... Like, Trump's approval ratings among Republicans is 90%. Like, what are what are you running on? <laughs> right. All right. What's um, next? Apparently, Twitter's not saving my bookmarks anymore, which is kind of annoying. Um, there are some disgrace. other things that I saved. That's why you got to copy the link and put it in the file. Copy the link and put it in the document. It is quite windy outside right now. Yes, it is. Uh, speaking of, coldest opening 10 days to November since 1995. Yeah, but it's global warming, Max. I already sent it to our friend who's freaking out about no snow, and I was like, still believe in global warming? And she was like, well, there isn't enough snow to ski yet. And I was like, it's November. It's November. There's never snow to ski on in November. Glinda- it's the fall. Linda Sarsour, pro-terrorism advocate, backs Bernie. Bernie retweeted it. That's interesting. We're finally starting to see some Bernie ads in New Hampshire. We had pretty much exclusively been seeing Steyer, which I feel like we haven't seen recently, and Tulsi. Tulsi. A lot of Tulsi. We have, I, we've maybe seen one Biden ad. Uh, there's a lot of wind. Hopefully our house stays intact. <laughs> it's getting intense out there, folks. Um... What uh, what else do we have here? We we have, I I just feel like there's so much, but I think I I think we're just gonna wrap it up here. Just know on the next episode, which will probably be later this week, we're gonna talk about this San Francisco new San Francisco DA, but that gets tied into ranked choice voting, which is like a whole other thing we've got to talk about. This is the new left ploy. Because if they're not able to indoctrinate kids at school because they're learning things from home, um, then the thing is to just literally just take their vote away, which is essentially what ranked choice voting does. Um, 
so we've got we've got that that we're gonna we're gonna get into and um there uh and then we're gonna get into the uh the literally we're not talking about civil war in this country here read our article how america ends thank you (laughs) the atlantic um but the atlantic exposed but that article exposes something that really could be you know a month's worth of podcasts on its own um i i think that covers everything that i want to get taken care of i really just wanted to go with the rant at the beginning and just just reiterate how important it is to look at the work the left has been doing to set up this one moment in time um all right we just gotta do our trump tweet of the day trump tweet of the day okay I will be releasing the transcript of the first and therefore more important phone call with the Ukrainian president before week's end. That was 14 hours ago, folks. So get ready for that November surprise. Can't wait. It all starts tomorrow. All right. Till next time. Let's do it.